Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. We ask that you would magnify yourself, magnify your name among us today as we hear your word. We thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit, the anointing that we have from God who teaches us about all things. We ask that that gift would be powerfully at work in our hearts today. Lord, open your word to us. Give us understanding and revelation and glorify the name of Jesus. Amen. An old commentator by the name of G. Campbell Morgan called Psalm 91 one of the greatest possessions of the saints. And I hope that you will consider it one of your greatest blessings by the time we are done this morning. It has helped countless thousands live courageously for God through war and disease and persecution and all kinds of trouble. This psalm presents with clarity and power the magnificent blessings that belong to those who trust in God. So let's read it together. Psalm 91. He who dwells, or the one who lives, in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked." Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation." Matthew Henry, another older commentator, said the message of Psalm 91 is that all who live a life of close communion with God are constantly safe under His protection and may therefore live in security and peace of mind at all times. We live in a world full of danger and disease. The arrows of accusation and attack are often aimed at us. We have both human and spiritual enemies. But Psalm 91 
boldly proclaims that the person who chooses God as his shelter will be protected by God from all evil. The promise is not the absence of danger, but of coming through danger unscathed, safe in God. Although Psalm 91 has been a source of great comfort for God's people for about 3,000 years, and it should be a great comfort to us, I sense, I could be wrong, but I sense that I may be treading on dangerous ground with some people by presenting these bold promises just as they are. I know that some people's response to this psalm will be, yeah, but. Yeah, but. What about this? Or what about what happened to this person? Or I know too much about viruses and bacteria, statistics, and science to believe all that. Yet it would seem to me, and I told my wife this as, as I was contemplating on what psalm to teach on, it would seem to me to be a dereliction of duty to not teach on this psalm precisely at this time. In the midst of the present pandemic and other world problems and national problems, I believe there is a great need for each of us to seriously examine who or what we really trust in. Who or what gives us confidence to go on? Who or what gives us peace? Who or what makes us feel safe? Do we really trust in God for these things? I understand that some might wrongly use this psalm in a superstitious way, rejecting good judgment and other scriptures that need to be taken into consideration. But I think our greater problem is the temptation to seek, to find our safety and peace in things and people other than God. David said in Psalm 4.8, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. In, Char- in 1854, Charles Spurgeon was pastoring a church in the midst of a major cholera outbreak in London. And he relates this personal story during that time. He said, My friends seemed to be falling one by one. And I felt or even imagined that I was sickening like those around me. A little more work and weeping would have laid me low. I felt that my burden was heavier than I could bear. I was returning mournfully from a funeral when, as God would have it, my curiosity led me to read a paper which was in a shoemaker's window in the Great Dover Road. In good, bold handwriting were these words, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. The effect on my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her.
her own. I felt secure, refreshed, girt with immortality. I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil, and I suffered no harm. The providence which moved that tradesman to place those verses in his window, I gratefully acknowledge, and in remembrance of its marvelous power, I adore the Lord my God. Twenty years later, in 1874, Charles Spurgeon published a commentary on Psalm 91 under the title, The Privileges of the Godly. In it, he said, a German physician often spoke of Psalm 91 as the best preservative in times of cholera, and in truth, it is a heavenly medicine against plague and pest. He he who can live in its spirit will be fearless, even if once again London should face the plague. Quoting this story, a man by the name of Philip Jenkins, history professor at Baylor University, said, If a government or church leader in 2020 said anything like Spurgeon did so confidently in 1874, that person would be mocked and denounced so hard that they would be instantly driven from public life. And yet, Spurgeon basically just said what Psalm 91 says. Times have changed. We have to face the reality that we are dominated by a humanist perspective in our culture. Humanists believe that humans are the final authority and have the solutions we need for life. And there's nothing beyond the solutions that humans have. Humanists do not believe that God helps or that we need help from God. Humanists do not believe that God intervenes or protects or answers prayer. And we would be naive to think the church is not constantly in danger of being influenced by this dominant philosophy of our times. I think, I believe, the danger for us is to put so many qualifiers and yeah buts on this psalm that we quench its power and truth and its comfort. Psalm 91 calls us to go to God as our place of safety. It does not call us to a life of primarily avoiding risks. It does not call us to a life of ultra self-protection. It does not counsel us to cautiously hide ourselves from all danger. But it calls us to take refuge in God and to face life courageously and without fear. The theme of Psalm 91 is simply, the one who makes the Lord his refuge will find great protection in God. This is a promise made to a certain group of people. 
It is a promise made to those who trust in God. It is a promise to the one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. A a shelter only protects those who get under it. Verse 9 says, Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. The promises of Psalm 91 are hinged on that, or all hinge on that condition. The reality is we will turn to someone or something to see us through the dangers of life. This, this life that we live, we live through, as, as the song says, through dangers, toils, and snares. We all do. If we do not trust God through those situations, we will either meticulously seek to work out our own agenda for safety or we will follow someone else's agenda for safety. This is not a small problem and this is not a small sin. Psalm 78.22 says, The Lord's anger flared against Israel because they did not believe in God or trust in his saving power. If we trust in alternative gods, small gods, small g, if we trust in alternative gods to protect us, it can lead to the Lord's displeasure and even discipline. Psalm 91 appeals to us to trust God because God takes great pleasure in those who trust him and because he takes great pleasure in those who trust him, he promises to give them his, own, his very own special protection. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Our protection in life and eternity comes from the ultimate authority and power in the universe. We dwell in the shelter of the Most High. We abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We are safe precisely because the one who protects us is the Most High. He is the Almighty. We enter the protection of God. We enter enter this safety in God by choosing to place ourselves under his protection. It it is an act of faith. It is something you do in your heart. In your heart, you put yourself in the dwelling place of God. You make the Lord your refuge. Verse 2 demonstrates the outward action that is the expression of this inward decision that we have made in our heart. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress. You are my God in whom I trust. God, you are my place of safety. And if you begin to talk like this, you will have amazing peace and amazing protection, according to Psalm 91. 
verses 3 through 6 then go on. We've talked about verses 1 and 2. Verse 3 through 6 goes on to itemize these soaring promises of protection that we find in God. Newman Hall, a London minister, wrote in 1867. And the Spirit of God must have been all over this guy when he wrote, when he wrote this. I tell you, just listen. The privileges of those who abide under the shadow of the Almighty are described, described with inimitable force and beauty in this 91st Psalm. Here the church possesses a storehouse of consolation, a treasury of untold wealth, a casket of precious jewels, an arsenal where faith may find abundant weapons of attack as well as a shield to quench every fiery dart. Psalm 91 is a grand charter, a bill of rights granted to undeserving rebels by the sovereign grace of the Most High. What a catalog of blessings for all who flee for refuge to God. Omnipotence is their hiding place. God himself is their home. He spreads over them his wings. His faithfulness is their buckler. They are secure from the night's vague fears and from the day's plain perils. From the plots of malice and the ravages of plague from man's destructions and from the scourge of God. While 10,000 fall around, they are unhurt. Not all the powers of earth or hell can injure a hair of their heads. For them, evil turns to good and sorrows lead to joy. Angels unseen attend them. They are borne up beyond the reach of even slightest injuries they conquer their worst foes they trample on the roaring lion and the subtle snake they are admitted to the presence chamber of the king and are allowed familiar communion with him all their petitions are granted jehovah is with them in trouble to comfort and deliver they are exalted to high stations and clothed with glory and honor length of days is secured to them and at last they enter the paradise of God. Amen. Well, let's briefly look at each of these promises. We're just going to go through these verses one by one. Verse 3 promises he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. A fowler is a person who hunts or traps birds. God will save you from those who are after you from those who are out to hurt you or trap you or kill you. This is a promise of protection from all who would seek your downfall, including the devil. Verse 4, He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. As a mother eagle protects her little ones, God spreads His wings over you. And you are safe under those wings. In Psalm 63, David said, In the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. You know, our emotions are a great indication of whether we are taking refuge in God or not. When we are living under his wings, we can sing and shout for joy, no matter what's going on in or around us. 
Verses 5 and 6, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. We have a precious promise here that God protects both day and night. And we need protection both day and night. Satan often attacks us at night. Our own thoughts or dreams can sometimes terrorize us. There's just bad things that can happen during the night. God protects us at night. We take refuge in Him. You will not fear the terror of the night. He protects us from the arrows that fly at us during the day. The author of this psalm may have had in mind literal arrows, but I don't think it's hard for any of us to imagine figuratively arrows flying at us during the day. It happens. He protects us from deadly disease and from destruction. James uh, Montgomery Boyce said, This does not mean that those who trust in God never die from disease or suffer from an enemy's plot, of course. But it does mean that those who trust in God are habitually delivered from such dangers. What Christian cannot testify to many such deliverances. Verse 7, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. God's protection supersedes statistics. The odds may tell you that nine out of ten people in your situation will have such and such an outcome. Psalm 91 says that doesn't matter. Even if, even if the odds are 10,000 to one, God still protects his own. When we went to Iowa City Hospitals uh, with Cindy in, in 1984, she had a very rare and deadly form of cancer. And the first thing we asked the doctors was, had they treated any other people with this type of cancer before? And they said yes. And I can't remember how many they said, but it, was, it wasn't a huge number because it's pretty rare. It's like around a six, half a dozen. Our next question was, did any of them survive? They said no. If we had lived by percentages, that would have put an end to our praying and to our confidence that God would heal Cindy. Verse 8, you will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. This is, this is really an amazing truth. The vengeance of God will not, is, is not upon you. It will never be upon you if you take refuge in Him through Christ. The vengeance of God is not upon us, but upon the wicked. Nothing will ever happen to you that comes from the vengeance or the wrath of God. You will only look on. The closest you'll ever get would be to look on and see the recompense of the wicked. Verse 9, If you make the Most High your dwelling, then no evil will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. Some people do all kinds of superstitious things to protect themselves and their homes and other areas of their life. This verse says, if you make the Lord, or if you make the Most High your dwelling, then you and your home and your life 
and all those things and people that you want protected will have God's protection. Verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. One of the ways God will use to protect you is to command his angels to surround and to protect you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You know, I, there's something I've always loved about that verse because it communicates to me that God cares even about my feet. God cares even about your feet and, and other parts of you. And whenever I read this, ber- this verse, I, I think back to a time in my and first job out of college, I worked at a manufacturing company called Par Manufacturing. And I worked mainly in the office I was in purchasing, but one day I was out on the factory floor talking to a forklift driver. And I don't know if you know what a forklift driver is, uh, or what a forklift is, but they're big, this, these are big, heavy, I don't know how many thousands of pounds or how many tons they, these things weigh, but... This was a manufacturing company. They lifted big, big coils of steel. And I was out there talking to the uh, forklift driver. And when we finished talking, I turned to walk away. And just as I turned to walk away, he just floored it, tromped his foot on, on the gas, which they were prone to do. And he had the steering wheel cranked all the way in one direction. And these tow motor or lift trucks had a they had two wheels in the front and they had one big wheel in the back and that forklift just spun around and the rear wheel that that massive steel rear wheel ran over the back of my shoe and it I was wearing a a pair of heavy wing tips which was kind of what I wore back then and Uh, it completely crushed the back of my shoe. And it it came so close to me that that it it scraped the skin down the back back of my ankle and heel. And the owner of the company took me in the first aid room and he looked at it and said, another inch and you would never have walked on that foot again. And probably a few more inches, and I would have been killed. You know, we, may, we may never realize all the things that we are, are spared because of the unseen intervention of angels that maybe just guided me to take enough of a step away that I, t- you know, I took a long enough step away to escape that. And... and uh, God somehow guarded me that my foot was not struck. Verse 13, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. The things most feared by most people are not to be feared by us at all. He mentions things like lions and snakes and serpents. The things most feared by most people are not to be feared by us at all. And the idea here is they are not going to 
get you, you are going to get them. They're not going to trample on you. You're going to trample on them. Satan is not going to trample you under his feet. As Paul says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. We are not to think like uh, poor, helpless victims as we go through life. Even though we face many dangers, toils, and snares. Paul said, and we know, what, we know the kind of life Paul lived. We know the, the kind of dangers and things that he went through. But he said, I think it's 2 Timothy 4.8, he said, I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and, bring me, and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's how we're supposed to talk and think as we go through life dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. Psalm 91 ends with, with God himself telling us what it is that stirs his heart to pr- provide such protection. And we quoted this verse once before, verse 14, because he loves me, I will rescue him. Because he knows me, I will protect him. God honors your love and trust. He values that. That's a a great value to God in God's eyes. He values your love and your trust and he responds by saying, I'm gonna protect that person because they love me. They know my name and they put my trust, their trust in me. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I was thinking of this, maybe it was last night, I'm not sure exactly, but I, I was thinking of, of how God responds to our loving trust in him and I thought of my little, new little grandson Grayson in Alyssa's arms just as a picture of this complete love and trust and dependence and yes I do believe even as a baby he surely loves and trusts and depends on his mother and his father What is Alyssa and Josh's response to this complete trust and dependence? Is it, hey, good luck, buddy, I hope you make it? No, it is absolute, total care and protection. They would say the same thing to Grayson that God says to us, I will be with you in trouble. I will be there for you. I will rescue you. I'll do everything I can to honor you. I will satisfy you and save you. And that is God's heart toward those who love him and trust him. One of my deepest desires in the present health crisis is that Christians would trust more in God than in worldly authorities. 
I desire deeply that we would give more reverence to God's Word than to what the world says. I am not saying don't listen to medical opinions or government leaders. I am just asking us to examine who or what has our actual allegiance and reverence. Who do we fear more? Who do we trust more? Do we tremble more at what the experts tell us or at the Word of God? If we take refuge in God, then God has us. God has us in His hands. Coronavirus is not in charge of our lives. Cancer or accidents, our worst enemy, our political opponents or personal enemies do not have charge over us. God does. We are in His hands. And the message of Psalm 91 is that we are completely safe in the hands of God. I want to wrap up with just three three, uh, brief comments. Considerations. First, I know that we don't escape all dangers and we have problems that come come at us. But I I believe on the basis of Psalm 91 and, and dozens of other passages, I believe that if we choose God as our shelter, we can expect actual deliverances in the real world dangers we all face. The Bible, which is taught through the book of Acts, Peter delivered from prison at night. The Bible, Christian history, the lives of missionaries and ordinary saints are filled with stories of amazing acts of God to protect them. Several years ago, I read a book called A Thousand Miles of Miracles. It was the story of the China Inland Mission missionaries who escaped from China during the Boxer Rebellion. And they literally traveled a thousand miles through the danger or the threat of torture and death. And as they traveled that thousand miles, they read Psalm 91 over and over and over. And they trusted its promises and experienced amazing deliverances. And that's what that book is about a thousand miles of miracles. If you want a good missionary biography, I highly recommend it. Secondly, if we choose God as our shelter, even in those instances in our lives where evil seems to have the upper hand, Satan's purposes are always overthrown or defeated, and God's good plan for us is always advanced. Romans 8, 28. And we know... And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Number three, if we choose God as our shelter, we know that nothing can affect our eternal safety in God. We know that trouble, famine, danger, demons, nothing present, nothing in the future, not even death, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord.
to be in Christ is the ultimate safety. And we are safe. We are safe there. And I believe that we are called, I, I actually believe that we are called by God to live lives without fear, confident that we are safe in God's hands, no matter what. The question for each of us is, will we live in fear or will we live in God? And that's what this psalm calls us to, to take refuge in the shelter of the Most High. And if you want to know where you are living this morning, or really at any time during the day or hours of the day, I think probably the best way to know where you are living is just to stop and listen to yourself talk. You can tell in a minute where you're living by what you say. And that's why it is so important to do what this psalm writer said, I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress. You are my God in whom I trust. That's how we're to talk. I mean, obviously it's, it's got to start in the heart, but it starts in the heart and overflows to, to what we're actually saying. So, in closing, let's stand. Let's stand and say this together. I re, I'm going to repeat this one more time. I know different versions of the Bible have it a little bit differently, but we're going to say, I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress. You are my God in whom I trust. All right, let's say it together. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress. You are my God in whom I trust. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the precious and magnificent promises of this psalm. Thank you, God, that you love to protect your own.